Jewish holidays are so multivocal, each one layered with many messages for us. Annually, as we celebrate each holiday, we have the opportunity to swim deeply in the waters of its lessons and practices. And then we often emerge with new insights or perhaps a particular value that we want to focus on. And then there is Hanukkah. I have often felt that Hanukkah was a holiday that we Jews love and adore without ever spending much time exploring its meaning or origins. Isn't that weird? It is like a tasty treat with a hole in the middle. Hanukkah is our donut, but it is not a sufganiyah because those have a filled middle. Like a donut, Hanukkah looks delicious and it has lots of tasty toppings. But what is really at its core? We know to light a menorah, spin a dreidel, eat latkes, sing Hanukkah songs. We know there were the Maccabees and King Antiochus. But how much do we really know about the historical story? Given how much Jews love this holiday, wouldn't you think we would study it more? Of course, one reason that the average Jew does not know much about Hanukkah's history is that it is not in our Bible. Stories that are in the Torah, such as the redemption from Egypt or the giving of Torah on Sinai, these we hear about every year in our yearly cycle through the Torah. And so when the holidays of Passover and Shavuot come along, we are well-schooled in the texts behind them. But there is no such Jewish annual reading of the Maccabean story. In fact, the story was kept out of the Tanakh. As I thought more about this strange situation, it occurred to me that there is another reason we are so ill-informed about the events behind Hanukkah. We have virtually no liturgy for it. Think about that. We Jews are incredibly verbose. We like to write and expound. Rabbi David Hartman says, Judaism is a community of interpretation rather than a community of common dogma. We love to discuss and explore. You really see this in the flowering of the Haggadot that exist. For Passover, we not only have the story of leaving Egypt in the book of Exodus, but we have this huge corpus of liturgy that has developed and that can be explored at the Passover Seder. Similarly, for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we have an entire machzor, an entire High Holy Day prayer book that is there to help us reflect on every possible angle of repentance and renewal. But where is the Hanukkah liturgy? Okay, we have the blessing Al Hanisim and two blessings to light the Hanukkah candles. Wow! 
Where is the liturgy that would remind us of the main parts of the story or what the rabbis want us to recall? The truth probably is that the rabbis did not want us to recall the story. They did not want to encourage us to think about the use of violent force to solve our problems. They were uncomfortable with a holiday that focused on military might. And given that they themselves were living under foreign powers, they had very practical reasons not to want to be seen as encouraging uprisings against foreign governments. But with Hanukkah on the horizon, starting this coming Thursday, I thought it would be good for us to delve into the story a little bit. We should know the basics and realize that it does have for us very real-world applications. The story takes place about 2,200 years ago. The Syrian Greeks who ruled over the Jews in Judea initially allowed the Jews to practice their religion. But at the same time, there was cultural pressure on the Jews to Hellenize, to acculturate to the predominant ways of the majority. And Jews then, as now, wanted to partake in the best of the culture that was around them. For example, the Greek gymnasia were very popular. In fact, according to the book of Maccabees, the Jews themselves had requested that one be built in Jerusalem. At the gymnasium, you could learn Greek philosophy, socialize, and be involved in the Greek way of life, especially athletics. Hellenized Jews liked to attend, but no Jew could do so without making serious compromises to his religion. The gymnasia had numerous busts of deities and held religious processions and sponsored sacrifices to the gods. And men had to be uncircumcised to attend. Jewish men, according to the book of Maccabees, would go through a painful procedure to look uncircumcised so they would be able to attend. There was a group of Jews known as the Pietists or the Hasidim who were unhappy with the Hellenizing Jews. They also did not like some of the pressure to assimilate that came from the Greek Antiochus, sorry, the Greek king Antiochus IV and the Jewish high priest that Antiochus had installed in Jerusalem. But at the same time, these pietists did not believe that they had the right to rebel. They believed that whoever was king was certainly hand-selected by God. Surely God would redeem the Jews if they just practiced Judaism faithfully enough. But then Antiochus, in his desire for more wealth, plundered the treasury of the temple in Jerusalem even taking sacred golden vessels. This changed the mind of some of the pietists, who now believed that God must be very angry indeed to allow for this to happen. 
Surely, they reasoned, God must be mad that some of the Jews were becoming so lax in their Jewish observances. So the pietists began to harass and attack the, Piet the Hellenizing Jews. There were battles and unrest between these various groups of Jews. Antiochus, perhaps prompted by this unrest, decided it was time to bring some order to this part of the kingdom. Judaism must be purified, he said, to be a conforming citizen religion of the Greek Syrian Seleucid Empire. To do so, Antiochus decreed that all Jews must cease observing Torah and make monthly sacrifices to the gods. In addition, sacred prostitution was set up at the temple. Sacrificing of pigs was now offered on the temple altar, and statues of Zeus were erected in the temple and throughout the land. The, the king decreed that many Jewish practices were now illegal, and those who resisted this new worship were put to death. And so, what happened? Many Jews accepted these changes. They went with the times. They started worshiping the idols. Perhaps they felt that this is what it meant to modernize. Or maybe they decided one religion was as good as the next. Or maybe they felt they had no choice. If the story ended here, there would probably be no Judaism today. But a small group of pietists who were from the priestly family, decided that indeed this could not be what God wanted. They could no longer leave everything to God. The idea of martyrdom for one's faith was born. They believed that God wanted them to act, to fight even to the death, rather than stop practicing their religion. The second thing that happened is that the pietists were joined by a larger group of moderates. These Hellenistic Jews who had been assimilating somewhat to Greek culture felt that they could only do so to a certain extent. These latest edicts by Antiochus in about 167 BCE went too far for them. So these disparate groups of Jews, the pietists and the moderates, banded together under common cause and became the Maccabees. And while a strict commitment to Judaism is what started the revolt, the Jewish Hellenizers also brought about important modernizing. For example, they believed that if their group was attacked by the Greeks on Shabbat, the group should go ahead and respond with force rather than observe the day of rest. This view prevailed and was important to the Maccabees' survival. Rabbi Irving Greenberg puts it this way, without fundamentalism, there would have been no Maccabean revolt, but without moderate Hellenizers, the revolt would not have succeeded. As you may know, they fought for three years. It was a battle against the king, against the Syrian Greek army, but also against many Hellenized Jews. In the end, the Maccabees, Maccabees did not win freedom, 
but they were not striving for that. They won the right to return to their religious practices. This story has so many parallels to our Jewish story today, and it teaches significant values. We too struggle to figure out the balance between acculturating and remaining distinctly Jewish. I hope this story inspires us to hold proudly to our unique Jewish beliefs and ways. Like the moderate Hellenizers, we can look for a middle ground that allows us both to accept the best of modern society and the best of Judaism. It also is an inspirational story that reminds us that some things are indeed worth fighting very hard for. This legacy of common cause, bringing us together to create big changes in the world, became an important part of the way that Jews think. In fact, the courage and bravery of the Maccabees were a model and inspiration for the Zionist fighters when they began to dream of a state of Israel. The conviction and the perseverance of those Maccabees can be a light for us as well. So starting Thursday night, I hope that we will enthusiastically celebrate Hanukkah. Let's put the menorahs in our windows as the rabbis tell us we should, to tell the world that we are Jewish and we are proud of it. In next week's e-news, I will share with you a link to a list of short Hanukkah readings, one for each night of Hanukkah. We should have a liturgy for Hanukkah. I hope that these short readings will provide a meaningful addition to your Hanukkah observance. Chag Urim Sameach. May the lights of Hanukkah and the story of the Maccabees bring all of us joy and inspiration. Amen.